Welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall. Today, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. This is Kevin Smith Storytelling. A lot of fun, a little vulgar with Jim Swilly truth-telling and soul-searching mixed with a little Tony Robbins motivation. That's what I do. Ask me anything. I will give you unfettered advice and truth as I know it from the, the life that I have lived and the one that I want to live. So uh, we've got a lot of stuff. You can contact us. You can do that. We're going to tell you at the end. Real easy. I do need your questions, man. Hit me up Facebook. If you find me on Facebook, Charles McFall, you can become my friend. You can message me, whatever. You can message the page, facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. Email is rgop at charlesmcfall.com. We've got a lot of ways you can contact us. I'll tell you at the end. But right now, Mike, what do we got going on today? Well, sir, I'm going to take a second and uh, take care of some producer stuff because we are in the uh, 30s as far as episodes yes. go. And uh, what we're gearing up towards for episode 50, we want to do something special for that particular episode. So want to ask the listeners to send us uh, a, a different kind of question. For episode 50, we want to do a rapid fire episode. You know, so, uh, quick questions, but a ton of them. So we're going to take questions in the live chat. But if you've got uh, smaller questions, funnier questions, uh, you know, something that you might not normally ask, that would be the episode that we want to see those. And we want to burn through as many questions as we possibly can for our 50th episode. So uh, at some point here during the show, Charles is going to give you about 47 different ways to get in touch with the Rock Out of Podcasting. <laughs> And reach out to everyone, whether it's SpeakPipe, whether it's email, whether it's tri- Twitter. Uh, just let us know those quick questions. And I'm talking, you know, there there are no bad questions. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? Um, we'll burn through all that stuff. So uh, challenge us and send those questions our way. It's a few months down the road, but we're going to start asking on a regular basis for that stuff. So set us up for the quick fire episode, getting into today's question, Charles, over the last month, uh, you've had a particular challenge, sir. Um, I'll let you get into the details of the situation, but what I'm looking for is how did this, how did this impact your life? At some point, everybody is going to get stolen from somebody's going to going to have to endure that particular unpleasant kind of violation and in your case you uh you were out uh, taking care of business doing some work raising money for the family and some bastard walked in and took part of your livelihood away from you and i want to know a what happened b how did that affect you and see how are you uh how are you coming through it so you know a little little bit serious Let, let's talk <laughs> Way to bring the room down, Mike. <laughs> uh, I, I think, honestly, I think the phrasing, and you know me, I, I hear things a certain ways, so I have to rephrase it to make my brain happy. Uh, I have zero belief that everybody has to go through a, 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 a theft or those kind of things. I, I think that, that more than likely there's probably a, a huge statistic of people who've never gotten stolen from but i do believe people go through loss and there's there's different levels of loss right you you're in a car a motor vehicle accident right and and you lose your car you have to get another one um you you have photos in a basement and a pipe breaks and you lose those those physical memories uh 
this, this, I get, you know, there was a violation there. There was a violation that I still have yet to really understand and process because I'll just, I'll just tell the story as it happens. And we rarely deal with things that just happened, but this was a huge seismic event in the life of the Rock Out of Podcasting where it was very, very difficult to stay godlike, <laughs> stay, stay positive. Um, so I, I, all right. So I go up to this, this restaurant in, in Brookhaven and Brookhaven in Atlanta is a nicer section of town. It's right next to Buckhead. Buckhead, many people around the world know that area because it's, it's the fancier spot of town. This is the uptown area, right? If, if you're a, star or football player you're probably going to end up some clubs in buckhead because that's where the more expensive higher and more secure better clubs are and brookhaven is literally a like a block away from buckhead it's, it's very close and so it's still a nicer part of town and this this place i go has the restaurant bar that i work in across from it is a huge chain restaurant and then there's a lot of little mom and pop places this is this beautiful brick mini not even a mall area. It's just, it's, it's weird. I can't even explain it because it's open, but it's also closed. And it's a very beautiful, fun, stylized area to go to. Really well lit. They've got security in the parking lot. Uh, they've got cameras around. I've always felt safe there. I, honestly, I still do. That's the thing. When when people get violated, a lot of times they feel unsafe. I, I, have, I don't have that reaction. I, I do have... I do have some other reactions to the violation. That's where I do realize that I probably felt violated because uh, there were some things that will come out in the stories. And I've been going there since August, I think, is when I picked up that gig. I do karaoke there, so I have a lot of gear. I have to bring in a table. And, well, I don't have to, but I bring in my own table because it's comfortable for me and it's easy to do. And I have my two big speakers, and I'm talking about PV, P, PV12s or something. I don't remember. They're big speakers and the speaker stands and I have uh, a little monitor, a computer monitor that goes on the table for the words. I also have an audio monitor that goes under the table so I can hear the music a little better to get the volume right. I have my bag with with all the extra mic- the microphones for karaoke and the cables and, and those kind of things. And I have my backpack, which has two computers in it and lots of the stuff that, that we'll get into. In a little bit. And so I have to carry all this stuff. And I've been meaning to get a cart that will do it for me. I think I found one on my Amazon list for, well, it's not on my public list. I found it on my list that I keep to, here's what I want to do with my tax money or if I get an investment or something like that. And I found it for like 80 bucks. It folds up, it'd go in my car. And then when it unfolds, I should be able to stack the speakers and everything on it and all in one shot, which is a lot safer. But I've never really worried about it here. I, I'll go, and there's this back porch, brick. It's about four feet up off the ground, concrete and brick porch that is decorative uh, to the attached to the bar. The bar is open. It's an outdoor bar, open bar. Even in the middle of winter, the only difference is they have these heavy plastic sheet curtains that they, clear curtains that they drop down to keep the heat in and the cold wind out. Um so people can see you there. There's, you can be seen all around. And so I put all my gear there. I use that to make two to three trips to do it. And I stack all my gear and then I come, I climb up on the porch and walk right around the corner and put stuff inside the bar. 
And I've thought about theft before, but honestly, and this is the, still the moral of the story at the end of all this, I'm not a guy who lives in fear. And I'm never worried about getting stolen from. And it was never a big deal to me. And it still isn't. Even after I got stolen from, I still go, that's still something that uh, that is off of my radar. Totally. Not that I'm not aware of it. It's that, that no, this is this isn't that. I, I can't explain it yet. But it, it, it still didn't change that. Now, yes, I'm going to be more cautious because it's smart. I'll keep my backpack on my back, but that's that's neither here nor there right now. So I was doing this, right? And there's two ways to come. There's actually two ways to come in. One is from the front, and it's a big wide open spot, and you pass a lot of people to get to the porch. The other is more of a straight shot to the porch that I can kind of see it no matter where I am with my car, but I have to park in the road, and it's, it's darker. It, it's just... I'd usually try to find a parking space first. And if I find a good front parking space, I'll load in from the front. If not, if I'm going to have to park further in the back, I will then go to the side tunnel, if you will, to load in and park in the road and put my flashers on and unload that way. Uh, it's a shorter distance. Like I said, I can pretty much see this stuff the whole time that way. But it is what it is. So I was coming in from the front this time. And I'm not sure exactly when my bag was stolen. Because I usually bring it in on the first shot. I put it up on the porch. And I have the computer monitor, the audio monitor. And I put that stuff up. And the table. And it all goes up on the porch. And I have taken to pushing it. Because I have really long arms. I've taken it to pushing it farther back. So it's a little more noticeable if somebody has to get my stuff. And I go. I've got it down to two trips now. So I go get the second load. Put it on there. Climb up on the porch. Grab some random gear. I think it's my table and the little audio monitor, and I take it inside. And I go back outside, and I grab, every, you know, slowly grab everything else. And something felt a little off, but I wasn't placing it. And I set up my table, and I always move my book bag to a sp- specific spot when I'm getting everything set up. And I go to grab it; and it's not there. And I go out on the porch, and I knew I knew it was stolen. I mean, the second that it's not there with my gear, I knew it was stolen. But Nothing, it still didn't, it still didn't do that movie, you know, it was, okay, let me, let me make sure I didn't drop it, because it's, like I said, it's a four foot high porch, Uh, and so if something fell off, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to see it, I'd have to get down to see it, or look over the edge, let me make sure I go back to my car, no, it's gone, and I knew, and the reality of it was, there's a train, we have a a train station, train system in Atlanta called MARTA. It's a bus. It's public transportation, so it's buses and, and trains. There's a train station across the street from us, and you can hear it off and on through the night. But it would take me maybe a minute to walk across the street and go. And where we are with the porch, there's two sidewalks, and you can just easily turn and go either way, and then there's turnoffs, and there's ways to disappear. And, and even the way I came, which I doubt was the way they went, the way I came, there's still ways to – it was gone. Is my point. I mean, my mind's realizing this all quickly. It's like, now here's the thing that got to me a little bit was I'm, I am, I know, like I said, I know it's gone. I'm just going to check the, the T's and dots. I'm also positive in my heart. And I'm going, the universe has got my back. I do good for good people. I do good for bad people. I'm always trying to rise up and do what I do and be who I am. 
And so I'm sitting there going, universe, I know you got my back. I know you got my back. It's not a big deal. Well, it's not by the car. It's not falling off the porch. I even go inside to the hostess like, hey, by chance, did somebody uh, turn in a backpack? You know, they said they found it out front and turned it. No, no, what does it look like? I'm like, no, you would know. One, it's a backpack. So you would know. It's not like people turn those in all the time at this restaurant. And two, even on me, it looks huge. It's a huge backpack. It's very heavy, which is another reason why I thought people would never steal from me is because it's heavy. Even for me, it's probably 30 to 40 pound backpack. You know, once I put everything in it and I'm like, my kids struggle to move it. So I, I always imagined, you know, average person is probably 150 pounds, you know, five foot five, whatever, you know, I'm talking averages here. It's going to be uh, holy crap. I don't necessarily want to steal this bag. But after I did all that, I, I, I was like, the university got my back and it didn't, it didn't get my back then. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was going on or why. I had to go into the bartender because without my computers, I can't. I had everything else to do karaoke. I just didn't have my computers. So there's no way to do karaoke. And this is loading into the gig. So now I have to cancel the gig. And I got to tell you, Mike, the bar was full. We, it, It's, you know, for Georgia, it's a mild, very mild winter. You know, the coldest it's gotten was one weekend. It iced a little bit. I still had to do karaoke that night. That was stupid. <laughs> At this place, of all things. But on this particular night, it was cold enough to have a jacket, but it's not that cold. And so it, nights are hit and miss during the winter, right? Sometimes people will come out and it packs the place. Sometimes you're going to have 10 people in the bar. It's just mid-February, early February. At that at that point, I guess it's early February, late January. So it's, it's just how things go. But this night, man, the place was packed. And people were looking forward to karaoke. And all my regulars were there. All of this. So I was going to have a big tip night, and it was going to be a huge party. It was going to be fun. And then this is gone, and I can't do it. So I have to handle business before I can handle emotions. And I go to the bartender. It's like, hey, man, I hate to tell you this. Somebody just stole my bag, and it had my computers, and I can't I can't do karaoke tonight. And I'm feeling the emotions start to build up then because as you speak it out, you know, the realization is hitting you. He's like, what, really? I was like, yeah, I was just back here. I, I got to pack up. I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, man, it sucks. I can't believe somebody do that. And he was, he was, every reaction in this story has always, is from all angles has been about me and about how people were worried about me and mad that my bag got stolen. Nobody ever got mad at me for canceling a gig or anything like that. So I start to pack up my table and there's some regulars like, what, what's going on? I said, yeah, I had to tell them, you know, my bag got stolen. And I had to say it a few times, it was, it was. People, it's not easy to deal with that at the time. So would you please stop asking me the question before you see me fucking cry in public? Chill out. <laughs> but I did I did what I do. You know, I sucked it up. I told people, yeah, it's gone. You know, I had, I, I'm sure I had tears behind my eyes a little bit um, because it, it was not nonchalant. It was definitely a punch in the gut. I mean, they asked the management to look at the cameras. Unfortunately, at that spot, the cameras weren't pointing. So they're like, do you want us to call the cops? I'm like, no, you don't need to. I mean, the management was very as helpful as they could be. What can we do? And I was like, well, you know me, I speak honesty. It's like the honest truth is nothing. You have no responsibility here unless you can magically make cameras appear or make my bag show up or give me, you know, four grand to replace it. I didn't say that. I didn't say any of that. I was like, I was saying you have no responsibility here. I, I understand this and while I appreciate you wanting to help. 
I can call the cops. You already told me the cameras aren't back here. There's nothing else. I mean, that's just reality. And I can handle reality. So let me process my coffee. Hold on. Mm, coffee. Love it. Yeah. So I'm on this backboard, and I've got all my stuff floated there. And I paused for me because I wasn't going to call the police. Because in reality, what are they going to do? They're going to come up. It took me 10 to 15 minutes to embrace the truth that my backpack was stolen. I don't know exactly. Up to five minutes before that, my backpack had been stolen. So you're talking 15 to 20 minute head start. In 20 minutes, I can be I can be a good distance away. And I'm not a thief. And I'm not from the area. So I'm not thinking somebody's after me. In my mind, you know, just normally, in 20 minutes, I can be gone from a place, especially if there's a car around the corner, anything. The tra- like I said, the train station was there. The train runs every 10 minutes. So you had the opportunity to catch at least one train, if not two, before I even realized the full truth that my bag was gone. So you're gone. That's the truth I'm embracing. And I almost didn't call the cops because of that. Because, like, what are you going to do? It's a backpack. It's a thousand pieces in there. Not quite literally, but there's a, a lot of different pieces in there what are you gonna do for whatever reason i i have no idea why for whatever reason i decided to call the police and you know i did the 911 thing and they had to ask me about it and of course i had to tell them about it which is it's hard it's hard to keep talking about it and the emotion is building because on top of that i've got so much other life going on that's all heavy it's all heavy Right now, there's very little light in my life. I don't mean positive. I mean lightness, like easy to do. It's it's all heavy. And, I mean, from my my parents' side, there there was some stuff going on. Uh, from my wife's parents' side, there's stuff going on. Uh, there's stuff going on in the house. There's, there's lots and lots of heavy stuff. And this, being my livelihood, being my passion, being the way I do things, and it, it goes beyond that. We'll get into the personal in a minute. But just on the surface, I mean, I'm losing 75 bucks by canceling this gig. Plus tips. You know, I'm losing that money in a time where losing money is really, really bad. I'm losing, you know, I have to then replace this. I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts, there was no way I was going to replace this on my own ever. It, it was impossible. So I called the police and I still have to deal with this as I'm the motions. You know, all this is processing. All this is, is going on. And the, the, they got my information and this and that and the other. And, and the police officer showed up and <laughs> he's polite. He was like, hi, you know, how can I help you? And I, I instantly went, I don't know that you can. And it's not you. I just understand the truth. And I told him the whole story that I told you guys. And we're standing there looking at the train station. And look, I was like, I know they're gone. I know it's gone. I just, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just file a report and, <sighs> you know. And so he he got some information. He asked me, do you know the serial numbers on your computers? Because we can put that out in the pawn shops. Nope. Don't know the serial They're throwaway computers. You know, one computer can be replaced for three or $400. The other one can be replaced for about $128. It's not. It's like a tablet that works as a computer. It's a knockoff of a Surface. But it does, it, it's a good backup. It actually will run my karaoke and my trivia and run as a backup. So that's why I have it. Because sometimes my other computer, which is beat up and old and has issues, is not supposed to be on Windows 10, but it is. It it gives me a blue screen of death sometimes. And I have to format the hard I keep a <laughs> little side note. See, this is the stuff I carry in my head and in my bag. I literally keep a USB flash drive of Windows 10 in my backpack. And I've been on 
uh, a gig. I've been on that gig, that karaoke gig. And I'll go to boot up my computer and goes, errant, some kind of kernel's missing, this and that and the other. Usually it's after some weird update and the computer didn't like it. And I will have to format my, my computer and load it with Windows 10. And the, what I did before I got the little backup tablet was uh, it's a D, DOPO, DOPO, it's by Lenovo, I think. Uh, it's a fine little computer. Before I got that, I just put music on. I said, hey, I'm having some technical difficulties. Come ask me for music. I'll play whatever music you want to hear, and we're going to get you singing uh, very soon. And fortunately, it was at a point where not a lot of people were ready to sing. And even on the busy nights, it usually we start at 9, but it usually doesn't start singing until about 9.30. So I do I had a small window. And I'd gotten it early enough for the computer to crap out that I reformatted the computer, reloaded Windows 10 onto it, which takes about 45 minutes to an hour, and was able to download the programs I needed just for karaoke, and boom, we're off and running. So that little tablet, which is, like I said, I think it's 128 bucks full price, it is my backup. You know, I made sure that everything would work. And so I could pull it out and char- have it on a charger because it's going to take a good bit of energy. And it looks like a little laptop, and it'll do the job. It will play. It'll let me do the USB into it, which is my hard drive that has all the karaoke music on it. It it will uh, run my DJ program, so I can do the karaoke. It'll put out to another. I have an adapter that will put out to another uh, monitor from a USB. So it's it's there's definitely ways to do it, and it it was working. I think it has HDMI as well, so I had that ability. And that's thing I, I keep so much stuff in my bag. It's crazy. So, but but the cost factor of the big items. No, I don't have serial numbers on those because. Essentially, they're throwaway computers. I can I can replace a computer. It's everything else that you won't give a crap about that you don't have an ability to track that I can't replace. I have a very hard time doing it. So I gave him the information. He gave me his card with the case number. Said, and this is late Friday night, right? This at this point it's almost ten o'clock Friday night. I said, give it five days and you can get your report. Well, I mentally said five working days. So it's going to be the next Friday before I can even get to it. So I've got to call my wife. And I even called Mike, I pulled over, I pulled over and I called Mike and I, we did a, a rock on milestone. It's something I'm going to do the big moments in life, bad or good. The big moments in life are going to get a milestone recording so that when the time is right, we will put out the raw and unfiltered moment of what happened, good, bad or otherwise. Because I, I do hope with the milestones that I'll be able to go to a meeting with, with big money and have them pitch me an idea and we haven't signed the contract yet so i can't talk about it but i can say oh man and get that joy and that this is what's going on and you know by the time you hear this of course you'll know what's going on but this is the moment because contracts take time projects take time the the freedom to speak about something takes time well i've already lived it i'm processing it so when it finally comes out say months later, I go, yeah, I'm excited to say that I've made this million dollar deal and I'm going to be doing this. But the milestones are the moment that it happens, right? The marker of this is how it is and it's going to be the up and down. This was a bad one. This was a bad milestone, but it was a milestone. And uh, Mike helped me out with that and recorded it. And we have that. Uh, But on my way home, I am thinking, I'm thinking two things. How much can you cry at life? And... The other, well, I guess I'm probably thinking a million things, but the other major thing was I'm going to have to put a post on Facebook. 
because I believe the community is out there to help me. Although I have never been one to be taken care of. I've, I, there's a, there's a, a line from Breaking Bad that my buddy Kelly Jeter, he, he does music and he does video work and stuff. And, and he did this clip of Breaking Bad and he overlaid in this techno music, he overlaid the line. Walter says, I am the one who knocks is his line. And I, it always resonated with me. It always was something that stuck with me. And I realized through this process, I am the one who helps. That's who I am. I am the one that steps up and says, oh, you need something? Yeah, I can do that for you. Let me help you. I am the one who changes lives. I've reached out. I can't tell you how many times in my life, especially in desperation, I've reached out for help and none was given. None was given. I if you pick this is a religious thing that was taught to me, but uh, and I hate it, but it works for the feeling of what went on. But people (sighs) listen to religion versus faith. But people, there's there's religious people who picture themselves as toddlers to God, even as adults. Oh, oh, we reach up our hands because I'm not saying the people who praise with their hands up all think this, but I do know people. Some people have verbalized. Praising, you know, singing and praising Jesus with their arms. Reach up like God's going to pick you up like your toddler. That's such a weak ass mindset. Toddlers can't do shit for themselves. But there's been moments in my life where I felt helpless. And that's how I felt. Like, help me, somebody. And put my hands up to be nobody. I had to pick myself up every single time. Learn lessons and move forward. And that's the life lesson I've learned is nobody's going to be there to help me, ever. But I know the truth is I'm always putting out, I'm living in a new world. You know, I'm living in the Metron world and connecting with Jim Swilly and doing all that stuff. I'm living in the rock god world where I'm talking about how we help each other and how we connect. You know, I'm living in the giant size team-up world where we just want everybody to be successful together and bring happiness and and that those kind of things to the world. But I also live in a world where people are broke. You know, I live in a world where family lends you money and then (laughs) bugs you about it. That will never happen again. I just didn't know. I mean, my head's spinning, but I said, you know, I'll have to put this out on Facebook. Just the moment. As I put as much as I could. You know, I hate vague booking. So I literally said, uh, the post was out there. I, 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 the short, shortest version of this whole story. As I loaded into a gig, somebody came by and sold my backpack. My whole livelihood was in that backpack. Everything I have to make money is there and it's gone. And I don't know what to do. And people, it, it meant a lot to me that people reached out. I mean, some were angry. Some were like, oh, I can't believe this happened to you. The standard, right? And I get that because I'd be angry too for somebody. That sucks. But then there were people who said, let us help you. And I remember specifically Mother Superior, who's been in my life since the bear crawling days. There's a long story to how we connected, but the shortest version is we connected. And she has the same birthday as my oldest daughter. And they are their birthday buddies. And I think she still sends a card for it. And to a point, sees them as her grandkids and, and this and that. And she loves being a part of our life. And we're not that close. We don't talk very often. But she has been one to be somewhat of a mother figure to me in, in the world that I was growing up in and podcasting in a whole new area of life. And so you know, I, I, I was reading all the posts and she came in and said, let your friends help you rebuild. 
Because part of it is when it comes down to asking for help, I that's that's outside of my reality. I move on. I land. I got laid off from work. I, technically, I got laid off 2013. I ended up working from home for a while, and then uh, sorry, technically I got laid off in 2010, and then finally actually got laid off in 2013. But we had the meeting in February of 2010. Everybody in the building, as best as they could, was called to the conference room, and there's about 70 people in the building, so it was it was really 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 tight. Uh, but they did everybody milling around. They they did it to where everybody could hear, and they said they had literally just finished renovating the building that we were leasing. And said that uh, we're sorry, but we're going to go in a different direction, and this building is going to be shut down. And here's I mean, it's a longer thing than this, but basically, you're going to get a layoff package. You'll get opportunities to move to Philadelphia, which is where the company is based out of, if you want. Or, or they had another office in California somewhere. I don't remember. But you'll have opportunities if you want to move to stay in the job in the company. We're going to help you find jobs we're gonna help you train for new jobs we'll you know whatever you need and we're gonna close the doors we'll start doing layoffs in july we're gonna close the doors late august okay so everybody and of course they said while we still need you to do your jobs you are free to process for like the next hour you know if you feel like going back to your desk and doing your job that's great uh, if you need to to figure things out that's okay too they are very very understanding about it because it's a huge bomb I walked out of there. I mean, some people were crying. Some people were like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I had a slow motion layoff. Yes, Angie, I did. And Mother Superior is very awesome. But there were people that instantly, like, their world ended. Now, they clearly said layoffs don't start until, like, June or July. So you had a couple of months to prepare for layoffs. I walked out, and I'm here. And it's in my heart, in my soul, I'm like, Okay, this is a blow. It's going to upset my wife, and that upsets me. It's going to upset Aaron, so it's going to ups- it, that's what's upsetting me. The rest of it is like, I land on my feet. I move forward. I've been building my, at that point, I've been working on my podcasting for a while. You know what? That would be an opportunity to try it full time, uh, to see what I can do to generate income uh, that way. Uh, you know, I will find another job. I'll find an, I was IT certified. I'll find an IT job. I'll do you know, this, this, and that. And I had zero fear. I needed no help because I land on my feet. Okay, they're going to give me a retirement package. Awesome. They're going to give me unemployment. Awesome. They're going to help me find a new job. Oh, let's move on. And we did. I mean, the reality became uh, they sent me home in September, but not as a layoff. As I hear, we need you to work from home, and we're going to still pay you your rates. And, you know, now you get to, instead of getting up and getting a shower and dressing and driving 45 minutes one way to work and being in an office where there's politics, you get to get up 30 minutes for work, get your cup of coffee, and walk up in your shorts and your T-shirt and sit in your lovely office with nobody around to bug you, no politics to play, and do your job. Oh, on top of that, because you have multiple monitors and an awesome surround sound system because you're a freaking podcaster and you're amazing. Yeah, they said this to me. Trust me, they said this. <laughs> you get to watch TV and listen to music and build your podcasting empire because now you can take meetings during the day. And now you can schedule things on other people's schedules because you're working from home. And, you know, it was, oh, it was such an amazing opportunity. And I, I did my best to, to maximize that. But my point of that story is life usually doesn't phase me, right? I can overcome. And I knew I, and here's the thing too. 
actually, I take this back. Back, so I called the cop. The cop was the fir- the first outside of the situation person I told about it. The second person was not my wife. The second person was uh, my. I guess he's my boss, but it's hard to explain, but outspoken entertainment is who books my gigs for me. I work through them. They get paid. They pay me, but I'm still, I'm a contractor with them as a host. So the coordinator, Josh, I mean, he gives me the gigs. He gives me things, but he always works like we're equals. He he asks me, do I want to do it? You know, he, he never treats it as a boss thing. That's why I hesitate to use the word boss. He, it's a different kind of relationship that I've worked with. But on paper, yeah, okay, I can say this. On paper, for sure, he's the man I report to. So he's my contract, my cut, my client, my you know boss, if you will, sure. I told him first because I that was my professional duty. I just canceled this gig on site. So I said, I led with that. I just had to cancel this gig. I got my bag stolen. Uh, my computers are in it. Uh, but... I already have a plan in my mind. I already knew. I mean, instantly, my mind is, this is how I work. As I'm waiting for the police officer, I'm going, okay, I can take Aaron's computer to go do my gig on Monday. I, you know, so I can move forward. I can, um, there's nothing major in my bag that is critical to my gigs. So I have all my other stuff. So I said, I'll be able to handle uh, the, the trivias for next week and the party that you have me lined up for. I'll be able to handle it all. Um. So I told him that that's how I work. So I'm already moving forward, even though I haven't processed the now. So yeah, I, I go home, I put something on Facebook, and I just shut down for the night. And then Saturday, I get up, and I see all these things, you know, all these posts, let people help you. And, and, and I'm driving for Lyft, right? So I've got my app on. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm still processing. Aaron, Aaron's asked me, how, how are you doing? Because here, let's get into the personal part of it, the personal motion of it all you know something <laughs> oh no i did okay uh so little behind baseball side note mike and i get together and we hang out uh for about an hour before the show just waking up uh drinking coffee talking discussing things and from time to time i record it and uh, because one day Mike said, we're going to do the Mike and Charles BS show. And uh, which is a spinoff of no BS. Ha ha. There you go, Nolan. <laughs> uh, uh, but Mike and Charles BS show. As so I've been recording it, just giving it to him. It's like, do whatever you want with it. If you want to hold on to it, you know, whatever. We'll make it into something later. Sure. But I usually stop the recording and then uh, render it and then start a new recording. Well, I got caught up in the video of everything today. I didn't do that. So I just thought... Oh crap! I'm not recording the podcast of this, but actually, I never since I never stopped. It's still recording, so we're good, Mike. <laughs> it's it's. See, I go. I work, man. This is what I do. I freaking make magic happen, and and it is it is it is who I am. It is my life. But getting into the personal part of it is the bag was more than stuff to me. I hand pick out my backpack. It becomes a part of me. I've carried a backpack since uh, almost as long as I can remember, man, it's, it's, I can remember the first one I wanted to buy, but I think I was already carrying a backpack at that point. The first one I wanted to buy, I discovered at a place called Jasper County EMS. And that was a Swiss army backpack. And it was great. It lasted me forever. I honestly can't remember when I started carrying a backpack with my, I'm talking about with my computer and stuff. So I could, you know, have my gear uh, to work on podcasting and whatnot. Since I got into podcasting at 2004, let's just say that. 
So since 2004, I've been carrying one. Everywhere I go, I carry it with me. And it's a part of me. And when I had to change from that Swiss Army backpack to a new one, because it finally just shredded. I mean, everything just shredded on it. Where I took it all over the world. Well, all over the world being Israel. I went to Israel. But I took it with me everywhere I went. And it just wore out over a long period of time. So I handpicked this next one. I did a, a lot of research and, and for toughness, for for space, for what I needed to do now in my life. And it was a special backpack. And in that backpack call, is what I call my bag of power. It comes with a matching water-resistant uh, pouch that is fuzz-lined on the inside. It's for you to put cables and, and different things in. It's that absolutely for that. And so that's my bag of power because it has every video cable in there that I've collected over decades of being around stuff and being in the AV world. So it's got some legacy. So I don't remember everything that's in it. And I won't get to the importance of why that's there in a second, but it's got my anchor charger. It's got half a dozen different charging cables for different devices. You have multiple iPhone, you know, the, the Thunderbolt charger, multiple Android chargers, uh, you know, different, just different things in there. And then I have this Ziploc bag, this gallon Ziploc bag that had everything known to man. Practically it had all a uh, different kind of video monitor adapters in it. It had a hundred dollar, uh, DJ audio to you or G, uh, audio to DJ, I think is what it's called a uh, device in it. that lets you, um, work DJ boards and stuff or, or just channel audio out from one source. So like it's built to work with PCs. In fact, the new ones actually better it can work with your tablet and your your phone. But it's it's built to plug into your computer USB to then be able to put audio to different places. And it's for DJs. But it's a hundred dollar device. And and my father in law gave that to me, and I have that. And I had another sixty dollar video monitor thing. I mean, everything's expensive, right? I had a little mic stand in there. I had headphone splitters there's so much stuff in there i don't even know what's in there and here's the personal importance to me is one is it's that bag has literally been collected over my entire career so there's lots of sentimentality there's lots of of emotional connection to it but that makes me magic and my wife even said that she goes i know how important your bag is i know beyond there's maybe only one other person in the world who understands the importance of the bag other than my wife and myself and she, she even said, I'm so sorry for you. And, and she had her own stuff going on. And I expected her to react to the us having to replace it uh, because that is an honest reaction. But her more concern was with me and how I was feeling and how I was taking it. Here's the thing. Everywhere I've been, I've been to conferences. I've been to different gigs all over the United States. And somebody goes, hey, does anybody have a fill in the blank? I don't know. Oh, sure enough, I do. Sure enough. I do. I have never had a moment. No, I take it back once. I didn't have a capo. And that was in the bag that, that's now gone. A capo is uh, the little, uh, usually it's plastic, but the little clip that you see p- guitars put on the guitar that uh, on the end of their guitar that makes it a higher pitch for the, um, those who don't know what it is. Uh, I had one time an artist go, by chance you have a capo? That I didn't have in my in my bag. That's the only time in my entire career that somebody's asked me for something that I didn't have. I mean, I've been in professional situations at a conference. I'm attending the conference and the audio guys didn't set it up right. The AV guys didn't set it up right. And the person literally is on a huge stage. It was uh, actually, I think it might be recorded somewhere. 
It's um, Grammar Girl, and it was at the last uh, New Media Expo in Vegas that was with uh, the NAB, NAB show. Uh, and I'm walking in, it's like show almost showtime, and she's like, I can't connect my computer. And I was just going to say hi to her, and I saw, because we're friends, and I saw that she um, was struggling, like, hey, I think I got something. I'm sure not putting it on my back. Here you go. Here's the adapter you need. And hooked her right up, and half even halfway through the show, something went wrong. She's like, "Hey, can you help me?" Sure enough, went right back up, you know, helped her. Magic, man! Especially the people who don't understand how things work and understand the investment in these things. I made magic. Those were my spells, man. Those were my power, and it's gone. It was gone. Lots. I mean, as I'm rebuilding the bag, uh, we're going to jump to this. As uh, I'm trying to rebuild the bank, I'm trying to line out everything I have and what it's going to cost so I can know how much money to raise. I, little things start popping in my head. I had a key to my wife's van. I had a key to my wife's van. The backup key, right, was in my bag. It's gone. It's just gone. Those things are like $100 to freaking make nowadays. I hate those things. Uh, I don't even need the buttons on it, but it's laser cut, right? That's a security thing. It's laser cut, so it's still going to be 100 bucks. Uh, my Batman from Loot Crate, I had the Batman keychain that was a screwdriver a phillips head on one side and a flathead on the other and bottle opener that's gone love that i mean little things right i had a spoon i kept a spoon in my bag why i don't know i found it one day went hey every coffee drinker should have their own spoon because you never know where the fuck you're gonna be when you need coffee my spoon's gone <laughs> damn it <laughs> all right so let's get to the good so people some people were saying you know uh we're, we're believing in your bag coming back to you where this I never said no to that. I said, sure. I was open to everything. I was open to it. The mind said, reality says, it's not going to happen. I'm open to whatever. Well, sure enough, Saturday, so Friday night it happens. Saturday, I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm trying to work on a GoFundMe, right? Trying to figure out how to, I'm still processing emotions, still getting calls to go do rides. And so I, I do that, and... uh I'm making money, which is always a good thing. That always helps. It's a beautiful day. It's almost like springtime. It's beautiful weather. That helps. I ended up getting Chris Wisdom to help me with the GoFundMe because he's at home. I said, look, I hate to bother you during your time with your family. You've offered me your help during this tough situation. I need you to write. I need you to go build this campaign for me because I keep having to go out of the house to make money, and I have to make money right now because I lost money on that gig, plus replacing this. I say all that to say at the end of the day, Saturday, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm going, I'm literally in the GoFundMe thing, looking it over what he did, checking everything in the process in less than five minutes, I'm going to hit launch, right? I'm going to launch the, the campaign and I'm going to email everybody and I'm going to put it all over my Facebook page, right? That's how close we were to launching this thing. And he put down $5,000 because there's two computers replaced and all this other stuff. At first, like, that's, dude, that's too much. I'm going to bring it down because I knew my computers were three or 400 bucks. Now, I am planning on getting more expensive computer here in a minute with my taxes. But that was always the plan. I was trying to be real to what I had. Uh, but then I started thinking about every little cable that's there, every little thing. My, my $400 camera that was in there, that's a portable camera. My, uh, uh, H2 Zoom is about 200 bucks. You know, I was like, wow, that stuff adds up. You don't think about what you have. Well, the, the, the cliche is why you don't appreciate what you have to it's gone. No, I always appreciate it. I just didn't know the value of it. 
I didn't realize I carried three to four grand of stuff on my back every time I walk out of the house. And it's about to get more expensive because the computer I'm going to get is at least $1,000. It's, it's not easily replaced for 300 It's a production-level computer. And that's still an older, lower-level computer than, than what's new on the market, but I have to work on a budget. Anyway, the magic here is I was about to hit that button to say, all right, go fund me. Help me out. And my phone rings, and it's an Atlanta number. And that's all that comes up, just Atlanta, whatever. East Point, actually, East Point, which is 30 minutes south of where I was. I'm like, who's calling me? Final answer. Police officer, Officer Barker, says, uh, hey, uh, this is Officer Barker with East Point uh, Police, Did City Police. Did you uh, did you get a laptop stolen? Like, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> he goes, oh, could you describe it for me? I'm like, and I'm probably like, what? What? East Point? Police, my bag. So yeah, I got someone last night in, in Brookhaven. I described the computer because it's easy to describe. Here's the thing too: you you don't realize what you know. And what I yeah, low jack the new computer. I am I am going to put a GPS tracker on the new computer. Thank you, Angie. Uh, but I'm thinking, okay, I think it's a silver lid and a black base. It's a Dell computer. It's kind of dirty and old, but here's a kicker. It has two Pokemon Go stickers on it. It's got another sticker that looks like a question mark. That's uh, like Southern Brewing Company. You know, it, it's it's those are distinctive markers. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, and I said, but more importantly, I had a bag. Oh, oh, you had a bag. Can you describe the bag? And I was like, yeah, it's big. It's black. It's got orange trim. It's Everkai, E-V-E, E-V-E-R-K-I, Everkai. Uh, which, by the way, the bag itself is 150 bucks. You know, just if you're starting to tally how much it would take to replace all this, it really adds up fast. Um, and so, oh, yeah, we've got that. He goes, what I can tell you is we've recovered your stuff. I was like, <laughs> I'm about to raise money to replace all this stuff. You've recovered my gear? He goes, yeah, I've recovered, we've recovered your stuff. Um, but beyond that, it's above my pay grade. You have to talk to detectives. So, uh okay. I have stuff, but I don't have stuff, right? I don't know what's returned. I don't know what's there. Obviously, the computer's there. So I had my hopes up. All I wanted, people, I don't care about the computers. People will help me with computers. I've got my wife's computer. You know, it's it's a matter of time before my taxes come in. And so it, we can do without the computers. I can replace that. I wanted my I wanted my Ziploc bag. That, that was the biggest thing. I wanted my bag. And I wanted the camera bag because... There's a project I'm working on that really, really wants the camera, and they're doing. We're, it's a great impetus for me to overcome hurdles instead of give up. That's what that camera represented to me because I, I was, I haven't got it perfect yet. And if you know me in tech, I can usually get things perfect within a few hours, if not a day. And I've had this thing for months, and I haven't gotten it perfect yet. I haven't gotten it to fully do what I needed to do, what it can do, and it's a, it's it's dragging me down. So I'm like. Yeah, I don't want that camera. <laughs> I want the camera, but I don't want the camera. So this became a process during the week of, okay, I have my stuff and everybody wants updates, but I don't have my stuff because it's at the police station. I don't know. I'm waiting for a detective. Detective didn't call. It became frustrating to get through to him. Finally, I got through to a detective. She's like, yeah, we have a whole bunch of stuff listed here. Uh, you can come down and talk to this person Monday through Friday. And he gave me the times. And and talk to the property master. All right, thank you so much. Awesome. The very next day is Wednesday. I go down there. I spend about four to five hours trying to wait. And that's with drive time and everything else I was doing. But on, in general, about four or five hours invested in on a Wednesday morning. Canceled Rock Out of Podcasting and go handle this. 
to find out that the one officer that I need to deal with, the property manager, the property sergeant, was in training for that day. And I wasted all that time. I had no, but I had no way of calling ahead to find out. I had no way of reaching anybody. I mean, this was such a frustrating process. The whole thing was so frustrating. Like, okay, I've got it, but I don't have it. I don't understand. And I'm still processing the loss. I'm still, because it's still a violation, right? It still went away. And I know it's a violation because even though I don't feel violated, right? I don't go, there's this, there's this tender spot in my soul that I can identify. And that felt a little mocking. I'm honestly not mocking anybody who went through this kind of thing. I, I, I reacted certain ways to certain people on certain things, like negatively. Like I would, I would kind of lash out a little bit and realize in the moment, okay, obviously because I'm smart enough to separate myself from myself, right? I'm not caught in the moment. I can step out and say, okay, this is, I see, I see that it's, I'm overreacting a little bit. I'm being a little harsh here. Obviously it did affect me on a deeper level than I can realize, but even realizing that helps take that power away. So I feel no violation, obviously Somewhere in there, I felt a violation, if that makes sense. So finally, I get a hold of the property master. And by the by the next Friday, so Friday night, it got stolen. A week goes by. It's Friday morning. I'm meeting with the property master in a small window that he has to meet me. And he's sitting there, and he, I've got my bag. And here's the computers, both computers. And here's a, a bag full of random cables. And I, I looked at it, and I'm like, oh. I thought I saw my supply bag. I was like, yes, I got everything back. And I'm, I'm ecstatic and I'm happy. And I get home and I'm putting my stuff together and it hits me. There's no Ziploc bag. It's gone. I open up my bag of powers back. My anchor is there. And that's a 30 or $40 charger for your phone, whatever. Love anchor. All of, see, here's the thing. Whatever they could recognize, they stole. And, and, Less than 24 hours of it being stolen, they recovered it in a whole different city, 30 minutes away. It's crazy. And the property sergeant said, there's like less than 1% chance of this ever coming back. I mean, the way the officer found me is because I filed that report. Uh, my name is on some stuff. He, he, uh, best I can figure is because they dumped all my ID. So I had business cards in there with my face on it. That's gone. And that's fine. I need to replace my business cards. Um, Anything that basically had my name on it, they got rid of. And that makes sense. Statistically, it was somebody non-white who stole it. And even if it was white, you don't look like me. It's obviously not you in this picture. What are you doing with all these business cards? You know, uh, so on and so forth. So that makes sense. But he opened up the computer. And when you turn on the computer, it is locked. It has a, a, a password on it. But it has my name, Charles McFall. And so the, the officer just put it in the system, Charles McFall. And up comes the report from Brookhaven. Or at least my name was in the system, so he had a phone number. I'm not sure if he had to report anything, but he had a phone number. So he was able to call me, so instantly we were able to track this stuff down. Uh, lots of it, there was no way. I mean, they, they brought some clothes. They brought a bottle of, of cough syrup that was confiscated and whatever whatever they arrested this person for. And I had to sort through what was mine and what was not mine. It wasn't much. Most of it was mine. A little bit wasn't. Uh, so I, I, everything they recognized, like you could easily hold up the bag and say, oh, those are headphone splitters. The, those are like some audio cables uh, like this. You know, they, they obviously on the camera and this is on YouTube. So you can see on the camera if you want to, but it's a, just a auxiliary cable, essentially audio auxiliary cable. So you, in this day and age where, you know, iPods and, you know, cars with auxiliary jacks and those kind of things, you can recognize certain cables. So they just took the whole Ziploc bag because it's easily, I, I imagine most of it was easily recognizable. And they took all of the recognizable chargers out of my bag of power. 
they left the anchor. They they left all my video cables, which that I appreciate because that's money, right there. I mean, video cables are like fifty bucks a pop. They're they're, they're they are expensive. Um, so so I got my stuff back, but then I'm processing my bags got, and that hits me again. My Ziploc bag was gone. My camera, my four hundred dollar camera was gone. My H2 Zoom was there. My computers were there. Basically, it was a four hundred dollar camera and about another three hundred dollars worth of cables were gone. That's why I didn't get back. But I, I got let's say let's say this whole bag was four thousand. I got like three thousand two hundred dollars of stuff back, and that I am grateful for. And then I did reach out to the community, and a lot of people sent money. People bought me stuff off the list. I really really moved me. I mean, I put some expensive stuff. I mean, those video adapters. I have two. One's USB. One is a Display Port for Apple. Those are fifty dollars a piece. That DJ thing I told you about, that's $100 in one sitting. I was like, I'll never get this stuff. But, you know, maybe I'll raise enough money through the donations to pick and choose. No, you guys bought all the expensive stuff. Uh, I do want to call out somebody. I won't say exactly what he did because I don't know how he feels. People can be weird about money. But I want to say thank you to Phil Ramos because he was first. He didn't wait for me to ask. He didn't wait to see what happened. He jumped in and said, here's something. And he made sure that that's something processed so that he could do more. And when I found out about my bag coming back, it's like, hey, man, the bag's coming back. You know, I just want to be very honest and clear about this stuff. And he said, go, go, go with God. <laughs> Have peace, man. You're awesome. And I wanted to be specifically say thank you to him because while I'm very, very grateful to Angie, who was there for me emotionally, and for Nolan, who was there for me on a tech geek level. I mean, and, and everybody did a bunch of different things. Don't get me wrong. I said thank you to everybody who did anything. But these people connected with me on different levels, personally. Phil, he lived the life. And it was amazing. And it changed. It changed what could have been a really, really bad experience into a much bigger experience because here's what I learned from the community rising up. GoFundMe works because there are people in the world who want to help, even strangers. They want to help strangers, and that's that's great. And reading the GoFundMe description that Chris wrote for me, we're going to use some of it in the bio because one of the things I love is everybody knows me. I'm the guy who lives one cup of coffee to the next. <laughs> there are some really cool things that Chris wrote, and we're going to use that. Uh, I know that the community was rising up, my friends are rising up. But what I need to see, we just talked about recently on Rock God about the haters. Why do people have to hate? And then in the beyond, in the backstage extra part that you get if you're a part of Patreon, which I have changed the levels on Patreon, so check that out. Uh, rockgodpodcasting.com forward slash support. And Patreon's there, uh, PayPal's there, all that jazz. Uh, of course, if you want to go straight to it, it's patreon.com forward slash podcasting. But I... I, I I talked about in the after about how, as a creator, and Mike wants to do a whole show about this, and we will as, when it's right. When Mike says, today's the day we're going to do this show, about how creators need to feel loved and how we put stuff into the darkness, into a vacuum, especially in the digital age with podcasting, we just put stuff out. And I have no idea. Well, okay, I have some idea, but I have a very little concept of how it truly affects you. If you don't tell me in a church, when you're a preacher, you can see the change in people's lives from day to day, week to week, month to month. There's some direct feedback with the giving, of course, but people will come to you for counseling. You'll, 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 it seems like you get more instant when your response, rather more instant response. When you're a comedian on stage, people are laughing. 
when you're a rock god out doing your metal music. Crowds are showing up. The energy is coming back. As a podcaster, it's me and the camera. It's me and the microphone. It's it's me and the desk. So the fact that I see the download numbers tells me that people are listening. The fact that I do get feedback from people helps out a lot. And Phil's been great about that. I mean, he's been he's been really great. I talked about that uh, recently as well, about the feedback he gave uh, on the Giving Truth show. And that's important. But to see the community as a whole step up and say, you have impacted us. Even if somebody who can't give money, they gave support. They, they, they checked on me. They said, you know, I wish I could do something. I never hold anybody accountable. I've been in places where I had nothing to give and I wanted to. And just to say that to somebody, say, look, I, I, I want to help you. And all I can give you is my emotional support. I felt that was important. Well, being on the other side of it, I can absolutely tell you that is important. To have people say, I have no money to give. I can't buy you something. But I'm here. My heart is with you. My energy is with you. That did make a difference. But seeing Phil walk the rock god life, seeing Angie, seeing Nolan, seeing Jim Swilly step up and do the Metron life, and, and seeing everybody. And there's too many names to name. Mike, you know, I thanked Mike on Facebook. Every time somebody specifically helped me, and the one person said no public thank you, and I respected that. But I talked with them directly and expressed my gratitude. I wanted to make sure to thank everybody who helped because I am grateful for every little bit. I'm grateful my bag came back. I am sad my, my Ziploc bag of magic's gone, but I am grateful that it came back. I am so grateful that I, I, I can't tell you, if you know me, you know I love boxes. I love stuff showing up at the door. And I felt guilty. I did. I felt guilty about this because it's a crisis and people are helping me out. And and one day, I posted my list uh, like that Friday afternoon, I think it was, after I realized what I was missing. I made a list of replacements, posted that, posted a link on how to help me out. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was putting it out. By Monday... I'm talking about armful, floor high, you know, knee high off the floor stack of boxes showed up at my door. And I felt guilty for going, oh my God, this is so awesome. Because it was. I love, I love stuff showing up. I love surprises. And because I didn't know what was coming off the list. I mean, stuff would disappear off the list because that's how I told Amazon to do it. I didn't know what was coming and from who. And to have that stuff show up. It was it was amazing. It was awesome. And then go, holy crap. You know, the expensive stuff came. The expensive stuff that I thought nobody would do it came. It was amazing. Um I've replaced most there's still a little bit left on the list. Uh and it's it's out there somewhere, the list is. But most most of the all the expensive big stuff that I needed came. There's just a few little things left. People donated money and that has been so helpful. Because there's other things going on. There are other things going on beyond just this backpack that have been affected. Uh, so part of the fundraising that came in is going to replace the money that I lost that night because I have to pay some bills. Now, that's a good question. Angie has a question that I'm going to tackle real quick. Uh, but before I get to that question, I just want to reiterate, again, I've never been the one to be helped. I am the one who helps. So it does make me feel less than that person. It makes me feel shitty. To have to say, I need help. I knew I needed help. I knew, I trusted the community was there. I knew if the universe didn't get my back on the backpack, maybe it'll get my back here, and it did. Everybody stepped up. And it changed my wife's life. It changed my life to see 
this bad thing happened. And and she does watch. She she knows, she understands some of podcasting. She's on a podcast with me, but she doesn't fully understand the connection you have with people and the, the lives you can change by using your voice and putting on a podcast. And so to see the community, the mostly podcasts with some are friends, you know, out there in the real world uh, that don't listen to my podcast. They, they may not even realize I have a podcast. To see these people step up, to see everybody who stepped up step up, and rebuild for us has been life-changing for everybody to to see that especially from phil and i'm using phil directly because we had this conversation directly about this topic to see that i always try to communicate with somebody changes my life when they affect me when they're important to me because i put out what i want to get back and i am starting to get it back through people like chris wisdom definitely from nolan and angie who show up here every week definitely from mike who believes in what we're doing uh, and I won't tell you what Mike said to me, but he said some things to me that were important to sacrifice himself for me, essentially. And that rubs against my grain, but that might be exactly what needed to happen this month. Because um, my grain is I take care of people. I help people. To be the one that needs help is is so alien and foreign. But it, it I needed to know that I affected, Rock God of Podcasting affects people's lives because it affects my life. I, I believe fully that this is going to change the world and that if we all start talking like I talk and listening to each other like I try to listen and being real with ourselves first, being who we are first and calling ourselves a task first before you worry about what Donald Trump's doing, before you worry about what some rock stars doing, before you worry about something else that's going on in the world, the man's coming to get you down. Take yourself to task first will change the world. I believe this fully. I believe that this is finally the path I was always supposed to be on. But it helps to get confirmation. And when Phil, with his words, not just his deeds, but with his words, says that I'm changing his life, that I'm helping the world. When Chris Wisdom has come back and asked a question, and then I, he followed up with the response uh, from the show, I know I'm changing the world. And it's important to know that. And then to see the community rise up, both podcasts and friends. And see, I will always invest in people's lives. I have, God, I've invested so much energy, time, love, and money into people's lives that are gone away. That actually, I didn't appreciate what I did. There's, we can have a show about the exploration of that. Uh, because there's, there's almost, what well, I hesitated there. Because I know you're going to hear it. What I hesitated there is I almost said uh, that I shouldn't have. But the reality is I should always be who I am. It doesn't matter how it's received. It's how I do it. On my side, that's how I do it. There's whole lessons we learn. We can talk about that in another show. That was important. Now, this next thing, Angie says, uh, <laughs> uh, do you believe this? the theft happened for a reason? Maybe to show you the support you do have. Nolan says, hi, Angie. I had a similar thought go through my mind. I'm thankful you voiced it. And Angie says, I feel like somebody should be saying amen. <laughs> I'll take it, amen. I'm okay with that. I'll pass the plate too. Rockoutofpodcasting.com for us support, man. Send your money. That helps too. <laughs> um, no, because I believe everything in life happens because of what you intend and what you bring forth. Uh, I, God, I got to tell you, even though I reeled with the punches, and that part of that Rock God milestone is is reeling with the punch in the moment. I even said it there. It's still, This is still nothing compared to a friend of mine who's dealing with cancer in their lives. To another friend of mine who's dealing with the death of a child in their life. This is nothing compared to that. 
that was an instant thought. And and while I didn't, I never took away, I never took away my need to process the emotion and to embrace that I have the emotion and to embrace that this happened. I always kept it real, even with my wife going, and she hated that. I said, she goes, I hate that you say that because you're right, but it, it kind of sucks. But it's like I'm there. I don't feel bad for feeling bad. I just keep a perspective on it that this is not a death of my child. This is not worrying about my wife's health. This is a punch to the gut. Did it happen for a reason? I don't know. I hate. I not that you asked. I think that's a great thought. I think it's a great question. And no one had the thought too. And I think there's a lot of in the audience that's, that people listening that maybe this will touch your lives. Let me let me tell you something. I just saw this this morning. A friend of mine posted. Uh, he 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 lost his. You know what? He it's out there. I don't need to hide it. His name is Frank Allen. He I've never met him in person. He became a really close person to me, and from the helicarrier, became a, a really a huge part of what I was creating. And when we co-create, you become special to me. When you become part of co-creating with me, you, you are on a different level than, than just listening. And that's with feedback. That's with being a part of what I do. I want to call out Paul Losey. I love that man because he, he's the first vocal fan of mine. And I love it. He, he told me that he's not a fanboy. He's not weird or anything, but he's always asked me, are you doing anything live? I love when you do live stuff. And I said, well, I've got this EMS show going on. I mean, it's nothing geeky. He goes, I don't care. I'm off today. I'll watch it because you entertain in everything that you do. And I love that, man. I love that feedback. Yeah, it's part of my ego, but it's also part of that validation of he just said you are who you are, who you believe you are. You are who you believe you are. But going back to Frank Allen, his daughter was born four months ago with a disease that's nerve degenerative disease. I I don't remember what it's called, but... No shot at living. And so they had four months of watching her with tubes and be sick and, and trying to cherish the moments, right? And she did pass away. It was just a counting down, countdown clock, and she did pass away. And that happened recently. And this is nothing compared to that. But today, he posted an article that I will then I will share to the Rock Out of Podcasting to go along with this. I'll go find it and, and reshare it. Because he said, why saying everything happens in it's in quotes everything happens for a reason to somebody in loss is pointless or uh, it's something along those lines of, of and it's really i didn't get to read it but i instantly knew the sentiment i instantly knew what he's talking about i saw the comments below uh how well written it is and i knew what it is is you're processing the loss now this is not what angie asked but we'll get to that but you're processing the loss. And for somebody who goes, well, everything happens for a reason, shut the fuck up. Because I am not the guy you ever want to say that to. If I'm going through something and you tell me everything happens for a reason, you're likely to get punched in the face. Because you need to shut the fuck up. Because all you need to do is say, I'm sorry for your loss. My heart goes out to you. Because no, you can't process it. And that's, that's bad universal language. I can mentally understand loss. I've had loss in my life. I've lost family members. But the type of loss that is losing a child, I never want to experience, ever. And I will never pretend that there's anything I can do to make it better. I've offered to talk to them. I said, dude, I've never lost a child, but I can listen to you. And I will never tell you anything that happens for a reason. I'll, I'll never give you any advice unless you ask for it. I, but I can be here to commiserate. So to say that to somebody is really, really awful. It, it's just stupid. 
Uh, Noel says everything happens for cause and effect reasons. So, yeah. So when Angie's saying, uh, do you think it happened? For, no, I have no belief that it happened for a reason. Because there are times when I have focused on something or I've attracted something. My knee, very quickly. I wrecked a motorcycle because for months before I wrecked that motorcycle, I was so stressed and had no idea what to do. And I would literally look in the mirror out loud and say, something's got to break. And what I thought I was saying was, life needs to change. And, and the, But I said, something's got to break. So the universe answered. And I broke my knee. I literally severed a muscle in my knee, which took me out of the stress world. And what should have made me more stressed actually helped de-stress me. We weren't paying our bills. We were only 60% pay, but... It was, <laughs> Nola says, I'm too far away for you to punch me. <laughs> That's a cause and effect. That can say, yes, the motorcycle accident happened for a reason because I kept saying I need something to break. So it broke life for me. It said, okay, here's how we take you to your break. You, you can't work because you severed your knee muscle. Your ACL is gone. So now you have to go through surgery and now you have to go through rehab and you get to spend time with your wife and playing games and chilling out and thinking about your future and trying to make a plan for yourself. That's a reason. In this case, no, I have no belief that my backpack got stolen for a reason other than maybe to teach other people how to deal. I, I don't know. Maybe it was to prove to me who I am, who I say I am, because I am telling you, I walked up and down that sidewalk saying, universe, you got my back. And then had a realization in that moment, it didn't. And I had no idea why, but my stuff was gone. And then when people were coming back the very next day saying, we believe that your bag's going to come back to you. I didn't go, no, screw that. I just never, I said, sure, I'm open to whatever. I stayed on the barely side of positive the whole time. I mean, I was down to the line, man. It was, it was almost negative. But I said, this is, this is, like I just said, this is not cancer. This is so far from cancer, it's not even funny. This is so far from losing your kids, not even funny. This too shall pass. I can't come up with a reason. Other than maybe one day we'll see a reason. Maybe somebody will come up to me at a conference one day where I just spoke from the Rock Out of Podcasting stage. And they'll say, you know, your story about your backpack and how you processed it changed my life. Maybe. I have zero path to say what's the cause and effect here. I know I've gone long, but it's it's a now story. It's a, 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 a happening story. So this is going to be a little bit of a, a longer episode. Um, but my reality, I finally got to see the reality that I believed I lived in that now has been proven. That I live in a world, in a universe that is connected. That I live in a universe that what you put out will come back to you. As the, as the religious people say, tenfold and a hundredfold and, you know, whatever. Um, I do live in a world that I'm changing lives. And that came back, too. That's the process of the story. There might be more lessons that come out of this later. There might be more whatever. But that's that's the now. That's what just happened uh, in the end of January, about a month before this recording, more or less. And that's I needed to say the stuff about how I've never gotten help. And now I have help. I've never had anybody but myself to pick myself up and dust it off. And now I see that I do. And that's the most important thing coming out of all this is being able to say, yes, I could use some help. Not as, I, I, I couldn't ask for it off the top. Off the first, I just said, yeah, this is what happened. What are you going to do about it? Universe, people, life. And everything came back good. So that's that story. If you'd like to contact me, 
you can email our GOP at charlesmcfall.com, facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting, Twitter's at rock out of pot. Uh, go to rockgottapodcasting.com forward slash support, and you've got iTunes where you can sc- subscribe. Give me a rating. I'd love to have a rating uh, there uh, that can read on the show. Um, I believe Nolan's put one up, but uh, I haven't checked recently, but I'd love for you to go do that. I check it about once a month. To Right now, I'm only getting one or uh, – actually, I've only gotten one the last time I checked. So I'll check it periodically until they really start rolling in, and then we'll read them every week. I'd love to do that. On that support page as well, you can do a one-time donation of PayPal. You can sign up through Patreon. And those who do support me, get their name there at the bottom of the the Walker, the Rocker Hall of Fame. They're the World Rockers. So I'd love for you to do that. Thank you for listening. And any feedback you have, I'm always open to it. Message me, email me, whatever you want to do. You can leave comments on the posts on the rockoutofpodcasting.com that's there too speak pipe you can go to speak pipe it's on rockoutofpodcasting.com click it leave a voicemail we'll play it we've got a lot of other questions come up you write the questions and send them to me as well michael read them out for you it's all good so that's gonna be it for today's show thank you for listening thank you for being a part of this community i say that a lot but i hope this this shows you how important it is that you're in my life that you are listening to the show and that you feedback because seeing that this flow that's how we learn that's how we grow that's how we change the world so go out there rock your life be the rock out of your own life do what you need to do to be happy i'll be back next week okay podcasters and youtubers my name is mike woodard otherwise known as producer slash audio engineer for the rock god of podcasting look you know you're producing amazing content but is your audio game as tight as it needs to be if you need to level up the overall sound of your show i'm your guy if you need a kick-ass intro for your show i'm your guy if you hate the sound of your own voice and just need someone to handle your voiceover narration i'm your guy need music beds need sound effects just go to mikeatthemike.com. Check out my demos and take a look at my rates. You can sound better than you do, and I can help. Mikeatthemike.com. <laughs>